Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 149 is entitled, Law. All laws are conditional. If laws were not conditional, we would have no free will, agency, or liberty. We live in a wonderful world based on the principle of causality. For every cause, there is an effect, and for every effect, there is a cause. If we obey the conditions of law, we reap the consequences. As the scriptures so famously say, if you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. It is the law of the harvest. If we sow good seed, we will reap good fruit. If we sow bad seed, we will reap bad fruit. The laws of man are limited by man and reflect his desires. If his desires are evil, then he will create laws that reflect evil. It is for that reason that the further we move away from the laws of God and the laws of nature, the closer we are to self-destruction. Here is the paradox of the laws of man. The laws of man can only define those things that are permitted or denied to men. Man may create temporal prisons, but man cannot create eternal laws. The laws of God, which include the laws of the temporal world, or the laws of nature, and the laws of the spiritual world, or the laws of eternal life, in other words, the laws of mortality and the laws of immortality, are the only laws that are absolute and unchangeable and governed by the law of justice, with fixed consequences. All laws of God, both of a temporal nature and of a spiritual nature, are designed to give us agency, free will, and freedom. There are no exceptions. The laws of mortality have temporal consequences. The laws of immortality have spiritual consequences, all governed by the law of justice. What really distinguishes the laws of man from the laws of God is that the laws of man are arbitrary and have no single governing power. They differ from one government to another, from one state to another, from one city to another. They are willy-nilly and often contradictory, sometimes influenced by corruption, greed, personal agenda, and drive for power. They are almost always punitive. The more they accumulate, the more freedoms we lose. The very phrase, government regulations, suggests a restriction of freedom. All regulations, of course, aren't bad. That is why we should elect only good and wise judges to positions of authority. Our laws reflect the morality of the lawmakers. In a democracy, if the desires of the majority are evil, then in a democratic republic such as ours, the laws become evil, and the loss of freedom is not far behind. When the laws of man are created to promote the agenda of one special interest group over another, democracy quickly diminishes, and we turn into a police state, one that rewards those of like-mindedness and punishes those of unlike-mindedness. We see it today with the shutdown of our pipelines, the green energy laws, the open borders, the defunding police, the insistence of electric cars, the corruption of our education system. We see it in laws governing the environment, governing the Bill of Rights, governing the Constitution, governing the flow of energy, determining what we should think, what we should feel, what we should believe. We see it in the increasing loss of freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and freedom of religion. We see it in the censorship of conservatives' voices in social media and on university campuses. In fact, John the Revelator saw our day clearly. He used a frightening analogy that has haunted Bible scholars for 2,000 years. 
and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand, or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Without pretending any exhaustive explication, one thing is clear. In John's vision, the wealth of the world is in the hands of a few. They determine who can buy and who can sell, and only those who think how they think receive the mark in their right hand, which is obviously a handprint, or in their foreheads, which is obviously an eye print. All used today to access privileged documents or personal information. We are quickly moving in that direction in banking, in government, in the world's economy. Many in our nation in high positions are now seeking a one-world order. The beast is not a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. The beast is collusion in high places, and power has become centralized into the hands of a few. Our own government is hastening in that direction as the left gains more and more power. It is no accident that they are talking about stacking the Supreme Court. It is no accident they are dismantling our Constitution and Bill of Rights. It is no accident they are tearing down our borders, destroying our economy, corrupting our voting system, and using the IRS, the FBI, the Post Office, and the Justice Department and other government agencies to punish those who don't think as they think. You measure people's intents by the consequences of their actions, not by the sentimentality of their false words. And the consequences are the destruction of our democratic republic. When the dam bursts, the water takes the easiest course and destroys all order. When the laws that preserved our balance of power are removed, then the agenda of the left will be unimpeded and like a flood will destroy our republic. And on its rubble, a new world order will arise. The desire to destroy our democracy is the only explanation for the behavior of the left. No other premise explains the destructive policies of the left. Our nation has reached critical mass, and the cracks in our republic, like the cracks in the Liberty Bell, are visible with the naked eyes. The laws of God, however, both temporal and spiritual, both mortal and immortal, are all governed by a single law. It is what I call the law of justice, or the power of God. It is undeviating, unchangeable, uncompromisable. It is so absolute and irrevocable that the Father of us all could not spare His only begotten Son. Only the personal sacrifice of the Son of God could satisfy the law of justice. Even Almighty God cannot revoke the law of justice and remain God. Everything would unravel if the law of justice were compromised even the smallest bit. That is why with the fall of Adam, the whole earth fell, and everything born in it lived in a lost and fallen state. By satisfying the law of justice, Christ was able to institute the law of mercy. The law of justice is unconditional, meaning that everything under the fall remained in a fallen state, even the children of God. The law of justice shows no mercy, accepts no conditions, considers no argument. It is without compromise, but so is chaos. It is the law of justice that brings order out of chaos and perfects, protects, and maintains that order. It is according to the law of opposites. We love mercy, but if we understood justice, we would love justice more. 
It is true that without mercy, we would have no hope. But without justice, there would be nothing to hope for. The lowest chamber of Dante's hell is better than a world without justice. But fortunately, we have both the law of justice and the law of mercy. By sacrificing himself for our sins, Christ satisfied the law of justice. However, conditions were placed upon the law of mercy by the law of justice. Those conditions we call the commandments of God. And only by obeying those conditions can we be saved. In the intercessory prayer, the Savior said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 17:3. There is a vast difference between the laws of mortality, or the laws of nature, and the laws of immortality, or the laws of eternal life. Complete sets of laws create kingdoms or worlds, such as earth or heaven. All worlds must be governed by a complete set of laws, and those laws must be governed by higher laws until you reach the throne of God. All laws are governed by the power of God, which is the law of justice. That is what omniscience and omnipotence mean, all knowledge and all power. That is what we mean by intelligent design. It encompasses all creation, heaven and earth, and everything in them. There can be no fragmented law of creation. If you want a model of fragmented creation, simply study the laws of man. How would you like heaven, earth, or the universe governed by Congress? Who said that a camel was a horse put together by a committee? The laws of nature are limited by the laws of thermodynamics. We are all on the road that David calls the dust of death. Temporal laws are entirely limited to temporal worlds or worlds governed by entropy. The split between science and religion is that science draws all of its conclusions from the laws governing the mortal world. It is like drawing conclusions about seas by looking into a bucket of water under a microscope. Christianity draws all of its conclusions from the laws governing the spiritual world. Practical science produces good counselors. Theoretical science produces terrible philosophers. As natural laws design the principle of causality, so do spiritual laws. Both are conditional, else there is no freedom. Scientists believe we have no free will because scientists do not comprehend the designs of God. Consequences are by necessity deterministic else the universe would be arbitrary. If you know the conditions, you will know the outcome. That gives science and religion power of prediction. All condemnations in Holy Scriptures are predictions based on knowledge of law. As with the temporal, so with the spiritual. We can all be prophets in temporal law by studying the truths of science. We can all be prophets in spiritual law by studying the laws of God. Sin is the source of all misery whether our own or someone else's sins. In the final judgment, however, we will be judged only by our own choices. Those who fall under the mercy of Christ will find redemption from the law of justice. Those who do not fall under the mercy of Christ will themselves have to satisfy the penalty of the law of justice. That is what hell is. The law of mercy is the ability of Christ to satisfy the law of justice in our behalf to redeem us from hell, and to exalt us in the kingdom of God. The kingdom we inherit will be based upon the laws of Christ that we obeyed. Judgment is never arbitrary. Without Christ, all would be condemned under the law of justice. With Christ, those who are condemned are condemned only because they refuse to allow Christ's atonement to apply to them. They refuse to meet the conditions or obey the laws. 
The mercy of Christ extends to all little children unconditionally and to all who died without knowing the law. But those who know the law are expected to obey the law or suffer the consequences. However, only the sons of perdition remain in hell forever. Once man has suffered for his sins, Christ, who has the keys of death and hell, has the power of redemption, but they are resigned to a kingdom that reflects their works. Where God and Christ dwell, they can't go. Those lesser kingdoms were compared by Paul to the light of the stars. Those who live with Christ are compared to the light of the sun. Agency can exist under no other terms. Believe it or not, everyone who came to earth to gain a body chose agency. But God, in his wisdom, designed the conditions that we may have free will. God protects our agency through law. The Lord tried to teach this principle to the Israelites. If they keep the commandments, the Lord promised. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, and he hath promised you. Joshua 23.10 If they did not keep the commandments, they would be left to their own strength. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when ye dwelled upon it. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies, and the sound of a shaking leaf shall chase them, and they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth. And they shall fall one upon another, as it were before a sword, when none pursueth. And ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. The laws of man are nothing. They are like the leaves of a quaking aspen, always trembling. The laws of nature are absolute and unbreakable, but limited to their sphere even if that sphere includes galaxies. All natural laws are held in check by all other natural laws. None is allowed to escape or to exceed its boundaries. Only spiritual laws have eternal consequences and govern our immortal state throughout eternity. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at ronaldmesser.com. The laws of God, however, both temporal and spiritual, both mortal and immortal, are all governed by a single law. It is what I call the law of justice, or the power of God. It is undeviated, unchangeable, uncompromisable. It is so absolute and irrevocable that the Father of us all could not spare His only begotten Son. Only the personal sacrifice of the Son of God could satisfy the law of justice. 
Even Almighty God could not revoke the law of justice and remain God. Everything would unravel if the law of justice were compromised even the smallest bit. That is why with the fall of Adam the whole earth fell, and everything born in it lived in a lost and fallen state. By satisfying the law of justice, Christ was able to institute the law of mercy.